You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, I am back in Texas. I have been in Canada for a week and a half with my friend Tim Bentz, and we did two back-to-back conferences, one in Ottawa and one in Toronto. I got to meet a few of you as we were moving around, and that was just a joy. A special shout-out to all of my new friends in Ottawa and Toronto. Um, Folks, God did some really cool things while we were there, and there was mass deliverance. There was mass inner healing. God was moving amongst both meetings in a profound way. And that doesn't include all the testimonies that happened behind the scenes in one-on-one sessions that I did with several people that had signed up for those during the conference in which we just saw incredible breakthroughs, demonstrations of God's power to deliver and set free. And, And I'm just rejoicing for all of the amazing fruit that came from that trip. And, um, uh, it, it looks like I'll be back in Canada at some point in the future. So if you wanted to attend but weren't able to make either Ottawa or Toronto, uh, good news is I've been invited back. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And, of course, I'll be keeping updates on this podcast so you know where I am. We are setting up now for a conference in Adelaide. That's in um, Australia at the end of February. And those dates seem to be locked into place. I don't think there's going to be any more deliberation about the dates as of my last conversation with my friends over there. And so look forward to that. If you're in Australia, um, that last weekend of February, and and of course, I'll give you any updates if this changes, but that last weekend of February going into the first couple days of March, that weekend is going to be a, a conference over there. So if you are in Australia, I'd love to see it. Okay, so with that said, uh, some radical things happened while we were in Canada that didn't have to do directly with the conference. When we were in Ottawa, six tornadoes, I'm told, uh, struck the city, (laughs) uh, knocked out a third of the power in the city, including the entire parliament section of the city, because Ottawa is the capital of Toronto. And, um, you know, while it may be just coincidence, that happened while I was actually speaking. It hit, so all the lights went out at the end of what I was sharing. <laughs> just power went out where we were too. Uh, and, and it was just, you know, we were looking at it from the perspective of what is God pointing out with this weather? Uh, was there damage? Uh, yeah, there was a lot of damage. But we were looking at it from the perspective of this is solely some kind of devastating hit by the kingdom of darkness. As a matter of fact, in talking with Tim Benz, I learned that God has a habit of pointing out iniquity areas in a region with a tornado. Um, Not that all people that get hit by a tornado are uh, absolutely deeply entrenched in iniquity um, because there's always 
things that happened there. But but there's a trend, and he pointed that out in quite a profound way while we were there. And so, you know, it, it, it's just interesting to see where this whole thing is going to go. In, in Toronto, uh, God had me release a prophetic word, which was short, but um, I'm watching to see how it's going to influence what transpires in Canada as a whole. No, I'm not going to share on this podcast what it was, but uh, should things go that way, I'll be bringing it up later on because we had quite a few witnesses for that. And so I'm excited. I, I am just very excited. It was a privilege to minister next to my friend Tim Bentz. And with that said, uh, folks, we're just continuing to do what we're doing at Bride Ministries. I want to encourage those of you that are continuing to financially support us we are working towards survivor housing. We are continuing to underwrite the healing journeys of survivors. None of that goes away. Um, and we are continuing to build. And really, at this point, we are expanding the platform through social media engagement intentionally. We've brought in someone on board to help us with that so that we can begin to release our training and equipping in a much broader capacity. And so thank you for all of you that continue to financially support us and push us along. We're so grateful for you. And we know that God is a rewarder. Um, I'm done. We're going to have an amazing conversation today with my friend Barb Bucklin of Luke 418 Ministries. We got the opportunity to meet in just a few months ago when I was speaking down there. And so uh, she's going to be blessing us. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, I am ready to introduce you to a very special person that you have not heard on the podcast before. This will be her debut on our podcast, but certainly uh, this woman of God has been doing kingdom work for a very long time. Her name is Barb Buckland, and she is the founder of Luke 418 Ministries. They are based out of Austin, and you can find them at luke-418.com. They are a ministry that focuses on deliverance and inner healing, uh, a lot like ourselves, but they're very interested in the territory and region. They go out to the streets. Uh, they evangelize, and Barb is known for hosting conferences in the Austin region, one of which I was actually invited to a couple months ago where I had the privilege of meeting her in person. And I've invited her on the podcast to share some of the abundance of her wisdom with us. Folks, uh, this is Barb Buckland, and Barb, it is so good to have you on the program. Well, it was wonderful to meet you. I thought that was, uh, I knew it was a divine appointment, Dan. And uh, so good to be talking to you again, because uh, I know that we have similar hearts, similar uh, purposes, uh, really have a such a passion to see God's people come free. And so it's wonderful to be in the mix of people that are speaking the same language, right, who uh, we call them gentle protectors. 
Uh, but general protectors who also understand the warfare and the uh, the battle that needs to go on to uh, to see God's people walk in their destiny. So it's good to be with you. Amen. Well, likewise, um, I, you know, I, I was just blown away when I got to meet you and all your folks down in Austin, making some new friends and, and, and just uh, finding kindred hearts. It, it's, it was yeah. just wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, we are really blessed. God has given us a, a, a team for a long time. Um, we did it with just one or two people, uh, and it was sort of undercover when we started. Um, as far as deliverance is concerned, even as far as healing concerned, we got into a lot of trouble in my local church for praying for healing and breaking curses and doing that when we started. And so it was pretty undercover off the radar for years. And then suddenly um, there was more and more demand for it. And the Lord said to start to multiply. So we started to run classes to teach what we know, uh, both in healing rooms and at the deliverance table. So we're we're doing, you're helping us do that when you come to Austin because it helps to activate people and make them more and more aware of what God's call really is for the body of Christ, for the ecclesia in this time, right? I just, just uh, know that there's going to be so many people that are coming out that need healing and need freedom, and most of the body is not prepared. Uh, to walk in that place, but we want to raise up as many people who are part of the solution and not part of the problem. Oh my gosh, you you were that so well. You you know, Barb. One of my big concerns is that there is a groundswell of broken uh-huh. people that are realizing they are broken and are looking for solutions and while it's been under the radar for a long time, I don't think that's going to be the case too much longer. And no, I, yeah. And when the groundswell bursts, it's like, my concern is what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've had, uh, uh, we've got two deliverances here all week. Plus a couple every day this week, plus a couple follow-ups in the afternoon. So that takes, well, probably you'll have a dozen different people at the table working with the beloveds. And uh, that's that's kind of the pace that we're on now. And we're booked out into January. And that is, for us, that just seems like forever and a day because, of course, mostly people call feeling that they're already in a place of emergency, right? And you hate to have them wait three months for, we always keep some emergency appointments open for people that are really in bad places, but that's still a long, a long way to be out. It would be wonderful to be able to say, well, we'll see you in two weeks, right? Or even next week, we used to be able to do that, but no longer. But we do pray in the healing room as well. And, mm-hmm. um, and um, we even, we pray at Church Under the Bridge too, which is the church for homeless people. And we are seeing some pretty amazing deliverances and healings uh, in short periods of time, uh, 15 minutes, a half hour, um, God really breaking through in, in areas for people. So let me ask you this. Before we get into joy and mm-hmm. even how joy affects the brain, which I am very, very excited to have you talk about, I want you to just give us a little window into Barb Buckland and how your journey 
took you from, you know, beginning to now? Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, what was the call of God and, and how did he put this in your heart? Well, um, I'm not a longtime believer. I don't know that you knew that. I didn't really come to the Lord until I was in my 50s. I'm 82. So I really didn't come to the Lord until I was in my 50s. And um, we moved from Santa Fe, New Mexico to Austin, Texas, because my husband uh, had lung problems, and he died shortly after we got to Austin. Um, But um, the Lord then took me to Dallas, actually, to a meeting with Ed Silvoso, who was in the city. I don't know. Do you know Ed, Harvest Evangelism? I am familiar with him. But I don't know. Yeah, he's in Argentine and he was very much involved in the Argentine revivals and with all those pastors who were uh, involved in that long term move of the Lord. And um, I went up to Dallas to a meeting of his. And before I left there, I had signed up to go on the summer mission trip, not realizing that everybody, virtually everybody else on the trip would be somewhere between 15 and 25, right? (laughs) But it was an awesome trip, and it was the first time I had seen the church move in power, and uh, we saw salvations, healings, deliverances. Uh, Ed had a, a, a prayer fair in the park the last afternoon we were down there. Uh, things, you know, the weather changed. They had access to the, actually, the archbishop, to the mayor. I mean, they had so many breakthroughs. It should have been rainy and gray and cold and in the summertime, our summertime in July. But we had 85-degree weather, just broke all sorts of records. And uh, we there had no major accidents, no major crimes in the city. The newspaper actually came to the training camp where we were to find out what the heck was going on. And so I thought, well, that's that was a whole different thing than I've ever seen with the body of Christ, right? We were suddenly very relevant in the city. Wow. And uh, Ed was using then, 1997, that was, he was using the words city reaching and, and shifting the spiritual climate by prayer. And he is all about prayer and mm-hmm. blessings and spiritual warfare. So we were going out on spiritual warfare missions down there uh, all hours of the night and then then ministering in churches in the evening. And uh, so that was my introduction to uh, a church that that believed in all the gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I came back from there uh, knowing that what God had done in this town of San Nicolas, Argentina, he wanted to do in Austin. So that word transformation has been uh, in the front lobes of my mind ever since. But of course, I came back and nobody else was speaking that language, right? Right. And they are now. So that's the good news. And we've already seen so much change in Austin as a result of the prayer movement in the city over the years. Um, the uh, When I started working in the city, which was 98 or so. Um, it was known as the pastor's graveyard. And we did the Jesus video project, which you may realize, remember mm-hmm. back in 2000, 2001, we mailed about 4 million videos in the state of Texas. And I was the prayer coordinator for that. Wow. Uh, at that time, I mean, nobody was talking to anybody. And if they were, it was more of a, um, 
definitely a competitive spirit in the city. I met with three pastors one day in the same zip code, and two of them were from the same denomination, and the pastor from the largest church of the three said to me, Barbara, we're going to do the video project, but I have no no desire to work with these other two churches, and he walked out of the room. But that was the tenor of what was going on in the city. Mm-hmm. It was it was really nasty. And now it's a totally different city, right? We had 350 churches joined together to do Explore God and then uh, the Reach Your Neighbor project two years ago, and they're going to be doing a, another uh, project probably in the spring, which will be based on uh, a book by John Burke, one of the bastards in the city, about heaven. So that takes them into a supernatural realm they sure never have been in before. But it's really wonderful to see the difference in the pastors praying and working together. That is So, yeah, in the process of that, when I came back, two weeks, we were doing a lot of street work in in Argentina. And two weeks after I came back, someone from uh, my church called and said, you want to go to church under the bridge with me to the homeless church? And I did. And we just, uh, you know, I'd seen, learned so much about prayer while we were down there that we went to the bridge and we just, people just started praying the way I was praying then, right? Catching it. And we saw all sorts of healings and deliverances at the bridge. And so that was the beginning of it. And then a friend, a missionary friend and I started to do freedom in Christ. And we knew that wasn't enough. Uh, And one day a pastor's mom called me that I had never met. She had just moved here from Oregon, and she said the Lord had told her to give me a prayer pattern that they used in Oregon for for deliverance because I would use it. So we went up and went through deliverance with her, and she gave us a prayer pattern. We picked it up and, and started using it just casually. But we saw amazing results, and uh, I'm, that, that's still the basis of our prayer manual. It begins and ends with that prayer that we got from her that day. So that's that's kind of the journey. And of course, I had a I had a pastor tell me one day that the Lord had told him that he did, he said I just wanted to uh, to bless you because the Lord had told him that he had asked two men to do what I was doing and they would not do it. So he said it was just a sweet word of confirmation from him, just a blessing for, uh, for, you know, taking that role and leading deliverance and, and supernatural healings in the city. Mm, 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 mm. So that's, that's kind of my story. I just know that, uh, that God has more for us. Right. And uh, we got a word you know, last uh, February that we were in a new realm. That's a word you use. And that God was moving at warp speed and we better be ready. So it was just like an uptick and an upgrade. And so we've just been watching him move really fast. And he also had told me that we have, Luke 418 has, uh, because of the deliverance and the freedom, we have what the pastors need. And so we have seen several pastors, even in the last two months, come and want to talk about deliverance in their church and how do they get trained to do it. So that's big time breakthrough. I'll tell you what, Barb, if uh, Caleb had a female counterpart, it would probably be you. 
<laughs> I'll take that. I'll take it. <laughs> like, you know, the th- funny thing is that people say all the time, they probably say it to you too, but isn't deliverance just really, you know, heavy duty? And, you know, you know, sometimes it is, but the truth of the matter is that when you see God move and Jesus come in and set somebody free in a few hours work, it's such a faith builder, right? And uh, you know that he just wants to extend that to the whole body of Christ so everybody can walk in the destiny that he has prepared for them. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're about doing, and we just see it as a, as a joyful journey, a joyful journey to be able to, uh, to be used in that way and to pick up that mandate. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Uh-huh. So now that we know you a little bit better, Barb, let's talk about joy. All right. Mm-hmm. Now I meet a lot of Christians. Okay? I'm sure you yeah. have too. Barb, they're not happy people. No. <laughs> they're like no joy. No, right? uh, they're not there, there's <laughs> yeah. no I it's kind of confusing actually. Um, uh-huh. because, and, and this is what even gets me really confused is that when you are too happy around them, they're oh, mad yeah. at you. Like you have a problem. That's exactly right. And, it's like being, talking a foreign <laughs> language, right? Like you're, you're happy. Dandeville. Yeah. How dare you be in a good mood? <laughs> Talking about the things you talk about. Do you not know? Right. It's like, but I know Jesus. Like, so yeah. So I want to talk about joy with you. you. When you brought it up, I got really excited. I'm like, yes, we need this. Because I'm tired, yeah. Barb, of people being so oh, upset at me it, right? for being happy. Uh, yeah. That's, well, you know, and, and joy, uh, we're, we, we, kind of flipped over to the passion translation which maybe makes it even more so but when you look at the scripture joy's there from the beginning to the end and there's such wonderful scriptures you know um, there's this one in Philippians where it says complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of the same mind complete my joy that's what he's talking about Mm. the verse that we the we quote all the time, the joy of the Lord is my, is, is your strength. Right. Mm -hmm. But uh, then there's that Proverbs verse that says a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bone. There's so many scriptures which hook joy to healing and to health. And uh, if you just think of the kingdom, the kingdom scripture itself, the one, the key, one of the key ones for me is it's righteousness, peace, and joy empowered by the Holy spirit. So, Joy is, and it's in the fruit of the Spirit, right? Right up there on on top. But in the church, we've just lost that um, because I think, well, the enemy's stolen it from us. We just don't understand uh, the meaning of joy, how we get there, and uh, how we sustain it, right? Uh, because what, I, what we see at the deliverance table is people can walk in here really depressed and live here really enjoy they have to maintain it later but they've had a truth encounter which brings them to that place of joy in a couple of hours that makes sense to you i know it makes sense to you well now i have a question okay all right barb you mentioned stolen joy how does joy get 
stolen? Well, I think one of the key one of the key things is that people don't know who they are for one thing um, in Christ, and they don't know what their inheritance is. They don't know the relationship. They don't really believe. There's lots of I, I see unbelief as a major stronghold in the church. So that if you're walking in that unbelief, if you're, uh, you know, I I say, well, people, we're all on the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life, right? Walking in the wrong tree and sitting in the wrong tree. Uh, joy and peace and Jesus are all in the tree of life, and we're sitting over there believing the junk that's in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and uh, so we we don't don't know the truth, and we don't know the the real purpose of our being here. And so those things lead to fear with the double-mindedness and the doubt and the unbelief. And I think that's where most of the body of Christ is trapped in, in unbelief and in, uh, in fear. And if you've got those two going, uh, it's not easy to sustain joy. You have to be really walking. Word says to be solidly grounded, right? Deep roots and those deep roots and understanding who he made us to be and that relationship and having conversations with him are the things that make the the difference there's a we do something called a manual journaling and there's a let me pull out the passion because there's a scripture there that really really speaks about joy uh when it's when he's talking about wisdom Mm-hmm. Uh, in Proverbs 8, it says, and this is Passion Translation, so listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I tell you, for nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. That's really direct, right? Mm-hmm. Listen to my counsel, for my instruction will enlighten you uh, to be wise. You will be wise not to ignore it. If you wait at wisdom's doorway, longing to hear a word for every day joy will break forth for you within you as you listen for what i'll say for the fountain um, of life pours forth within you as you listen for what i'll say every day and this is the secret of growing in a delight and the favor of the lord so joy is used three times in that little scripture just being obedient, listening to his ways, listening to his voice. Hmm. And uh, I know for for us here, one of the key things we want to do for people that are at the deliverance table is that before they leave the table, they hear his voice, because so many people don't think that's possible. So we want to break through that barrier so they can have that conversation with him and learn his ways directly from him as well as from Scripture, because it's his voice, I believe, that makes a a huge difference for people, that relationship. That's so good. One of the things that kind of drifted into my brain while you were talking, I just want to throw out there and see how you respond Mm -hmm. to this. Uh, I think that people have a habit of sowing bad seed into the fields that they would otherwise be able to reap joy from. For instance, uh, people sow bad seeds into their marriage 
And I believe that one of the number one places God wants us to reap joy is from our marriage. Mm-hmm. And since we sow a lot of bad seeds into this field, this, this area, it's like when we go to, okay, extract a harvest from that area of our lives, it, it, it's a bad crop. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, we don't want to look around and see most of the time, right? We we don't even want to go home anymore. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go home to this. Like, you know, but there's yeah. so much bad wow. seed in that. Is that field. not the devil's playground and joy to see? It's his joy to see that happen, right? That's his, that's his goal is to divide and conquer. So, so then we go and we sow bad seed into our relationship with our children yeah. through disappointment. Yeah provocation to anger all kinds and so instead of being able to reap joy there's division and heartbrokenness and Mm -hmm. and so you see what i'm saying kids that are look kids that don't really um because of the relationship at home they don't really have healthy bonding with their parents and then they they uh they don't have uh, they really don't have the strong and secure attachments uh, with the parents, no less God, right? Because they've never never seen that modeled for them. I, I believe the way to catch this stuff is to see it modeled. So if we don't see joy modeled in our pastors or in our mother and dad, uh, we come out low joy is what happens. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, that, that joy is is actually the core of how our brain wants to learn. I mean, joy is so important in our brain, the way God made it. Mm-hmm. And it's that joy that's the basic for strong, uh, those attachments, you know, that bonding. It's all about joy. It's that mom and dad that see that little baby and want to make it smile, right? I had a, a pastor say to me the other day, he's been ministry for years, he said, I got all shook up when I heard Jim Wilder talk about joy, and he said, because I just thought joy was being happy doing ministry, that I I could have joy all by myself, and he said, he said it was a shock to me to find out that joy was relational, that that's the way it's built, and that's the way it's strengthened. It's all about somebody who's glad to be with you. That's... So if you don't have somebody that's glad to be with you, you for sure are going to be low joy. And that leads to all the isolation and the, you know, the silence and the, the the withdrawal in people's lives. And of course, the screens that everybody on. I think that just uh, that just heightens that right that that uh, ability to stay in your own silo and mm. not react with people. And that would make low joy because you need the you need the one on one eye to eye contact to build joy. That's how joy is built. So the enemy has a field day when you're looking at a screen because that is not a joy builder. It won't happen. Wow. That's yeah. powerful. Isn't that something? It is something. Yeah. The the right front um, orbital prefrontal cortex, right, which that's a whole mouthful, but the right side of your brain mm-hmm. is almost not there when the baby's born. And it actually forms chemically on the basis of the face that's looking at it. So if you have a face that's filled with joy 
and loves to be with the baby, just happy as could be, and you get that smile going back and forth. That's what those first months are, is just really building joy. If you have that kind of a face looking at a baby, the baby will have one particular kind of brain. It'll have a chemical setup for joy and peace. So those two go together. When babies... But if you have a face that's angry yeah. or depressed mm. or in a lot of cases, a face that isn't even there, right? Mm, mm, they mm. will have a whole different chemical makeup in that right frontal area. <sighs> and they will be low joy. So they don't have, as if that happens to them as a baby, Jim, Jim, Jim Wilder calls it a joy bucket that we have mm. in that front part of our brain. If they have a low joy bucket, and if they have something that happens along their life that um, causes them to fear or puts them in depression, they don't have any reservoir of joy to come out of that place. So that's why we see people get so stuck in emotions when they don't have enough joy to take them out of those places of shame or fear or hopeless despair. They just get stuck there. And you can stay a long time in that nasty place, right? But it's because they don't have a joy bucket to depend on. Now that is fascinating. Isn't that fascinating? Absolutely. Yeah. So we can get people delivered from depression and so forth, you know. Mm -hmm. However, the next step is that they ought to be doing some brain work to rebuild joy. That's really the, that's, that's, I know we don't have the bandwidth to do that. That's what I would love to have is, is classes going all the time on, on, uh, on joy and on relationships and on maturity, all those classes, right? Because the people that you're dealing and, you know, most of the people, well, it's not just people that are coming for deliverance because you walk in churches and you think, Ooh, nobody's very happy in this place, right? <laughs> what's, what's missing here? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so we need to, to do some work to rebuild that joy because that's what makes us res resilient. It's, it's what makes you able to suffer well when you have that joy. That's profound. Okay, so brain work is actually part of the solution set. Yes, totally. And totally. that, that is a new grid for some people, you know, some people think yeah. it, it, it's just about, you know, uh, sitting through enough Bible teachings, but it's not. Oh, no, no, it's not. No. And what we also, what I've also learned about the brain is that, you know, the, okay, so the right hand side of your brain is your identity center. It's where there's joy. Um, and the good news about the, that, even if you're low joy, that part of your brain can always grow and change. So if you, even if you start out joyless, right, that can change. It's the only part of your brain that really keeps changing your whole life. But it's, you know, scriptural. It's what you look at, what you think about, what you, what you spend time with that's going to affect your mind, right? Mm -hmm. So this is really true about that right side of your brain, your right front part of your brain. And it, it really also, that same part of your brain defines how others see you, see you. 
and what we want to be. It, it defines how you feel about things and how you handle things. That's all in that same section. So if you have high joy, you're going to have um, a nature that will be uh, positive about circumstances instead of looking at all the negatives all the time. If you have low joy, it's everything is going to appear a disaster, right? Well, or fearful or scary, right? You're going to be, you, and then you get stuck in that place, and then you make what we know too is that you make really bad decisions when the front of the brain isn't working well, and the front of the brain functions better, best when there's joy and peace there to make good decisions. So, so sometimes you could actually make the argument that a person is predisposed to making bad decisions based on brain malfunction. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't say yeah, that too loud. A, there, we've got a fear center in our brain. You know, when you look at it, you've got a fear center in your brain. Uh-huh. And uh, so that that fear center, a thought. when you get a thought, it comes in way in the back of your right side of your brain. And the thought goes oops, over your right side of the brain, and then it flips over to your left side where your file, what we call them file cabinets, where your file cabinets are. So a thought has a definite track in your brain. And if you get stuck back there where there's fear and that's your normal place of operating, you can't make good decisions. And then if you complicate that with with drugs, right, which also uh, helps to, to, uh, uh, to limit your ability to make good decisions, the way it, the drugs affect your mind and your brain, uh, it's one more one more reason why you won't make good decisions. My God! So we have on the right side of the brain something that's called the cingulate cortex, and that's where you get your mutual mind level. It's where your your sharing center is and your conscious level, and it involves emotional processing and so forth. So that's another step. First comes the back of the mind where. Uh, that thought is evaluated whether it's going to go forward or whether it's something that's just inconsequential and it's not something that you have to concentrate on. So that thought goes in from there into the next area where it says, oh, this is okay or it's bad and scary. And if it's bad and scary, you could get stuck in that fear place and never move that thought to the next level. And then it goes on to the singular cortex and then finally up into the right part of your brain where all your all your creative ability is too and then finally if if it's 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 a thought that you can really handle it'll shift over to the left side of your brain where your file cabinets are one thing we know about those file cabinets is that all those files it's really stubborn really hard to change and it doesn't change just by teaching and scriptures. What they find is that it has to be something experiential that'll shift the left part of your brain. So to me, the experiential thing is is really an encounter with Jesus. When you have the encounter with Jesus, that changes everything. Amen. Right? That's good. Well, you know, and this yeah. So it's Go the, brain, the brain is really important. I mean, he made it. He made it so it was obviously important, right? Uh, and he he made it so that it it can be the basis of of joy, or it can be the you know, or you can get stuck in trauma. 
and that's where you don't want to be. You don't want to be. So you, you've mentioned a, a lot of keys as we've been talking here, and, and I, I, I want to come back mm-hmm. because you mentioned that we don't know the meaning of joy. Mm-hmm. Well, what is the meaning of joy? That's a good question, right? <laughs> well, to, well, the way that we've come to determine it uh, is that joy is being glad that someone's with you. It's all about relationship. All about relationship. And and uh, so you you don't build joy by yourself. You don't build joy on a screen. It's all about somebody who is really glad to be with you. And that's a relationship with the Lord, right? And then it's a relationship with other people that you love and care for. So it's all a relational issue. It's not just something that's, oh, I'm joyful today. You're joyful and you build joy basis on the basis of people being glad to be with you. My goodness. Does that make sense? And it's amazing because our society is it, it, it is such a society of isolation. Right. And getting more so. And more so as the years go by. You you know, mm-hmm. it actually takes mm-hmm. more and more effort to and now this was that was gonna be my next example of, of bad seed, you know, because there's flaky people, Barb. That yeah. they, they say things like, oh, we should get together, but then they never call. Or they get a phone call and never return it. But say the same yeah, thing the right. next time you see them in person. And then you say, why are they so flaky? And, you know, I I think what we don't realize when we do things like this, we're actually robbing ourselves of it of an opportunity for joy. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the amazing, well, the amazing thing too, is that, um, that's all a baby wants to do Uh when it's born that, you know, all it wants to do and all a mother's job and dad's job should be building joy and, and joy that, that ability to build it, builds in at three months and at nine months so you know when you have moms that are going back to work at three months it's just exactly the time they should be with their baby to build joy they could spend their whole day building joy and they they prove i mean there's studies that are out there saying that'll tell you really clearly if you have that joy built in you are way likely way less likely to use drugs or end up in prison I mean, that's, it's so important, right, to have that foundation built of joy. I was in a meeting with Jim Wilder and Marcus Warner, who wrote a new book called Rare Leadership. I don't know. Have you seen the book? I have not. I think you'd love it. And it talks a lot about these principles. Um, we were at a meeting in San Antonio at a big church where he was presenting this material. And so he was. they were talking away about joy and leadership and so forth and about 10:30 in the morning the a guy who was on staff of this big church raised his hand and he said you guys are keep talking about joy he said what does joy have to do with the church <laughs> <laughs> okay right 
course, it gave them the wonderful opportunity to start quoting joy scriptures, right? <laughs> but I think it was, I mean, he, this guy wasn't kidding. He was honest. He was serious, right? What does joy have to do with the church? I, I love so, your definition of joy. Uh-huh. I love joy. Like that. Joy is being glad that someone is with you. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And what we know, we just uh, just have taught the manual this weekend, manual journaling and so forth, and taught it to at the Austin Disaster Relief Network, which deals with disaster people. But I mean, disasters happen all the time, right? For people. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that all you need is one person to be with you in a disaster to listen to you that somebody knows somebody cares about them just one person and it'll keep them from having a breakdown one person will make the difference and whether somebody can can get through a situation and stay together or if they'll end up with a breakdown of some kind isn't that amazing I, well, and i just think about god's vision for marriages here barb uh-huh. Because marriages are so horribly attacked. Mm-hmm. But that statement that you made just reveals God's wisdom. It's like, look, uh, one way through which the Lord sends us out two by two is in the context of uh, of the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And a man holds the woman up and a woman holds the man up. And together, if they're flowing in unity and in fellowship... How powerful is that? Absolutely. Oh, man, and isn't that the idea? That's what he had in mind, right? A body of Christ full of people with healthy marriages? And, yeah. and, and this, this is where I, I just see the strategy of the enemy. You know, because you have opportunity, you know, men all over the country have opportunity to sow into the field of intimacy with their spouse. Mm-hmm. But instead, they quite literally take seed and sow it into another field of isolation Mm. and loneliness Mm -hmm. called pornography. Right. Right. And rob the marriage. Now, again, that's actually destroying joy for multiple parties. Oh, totally. Totally. That's rob, steal, destroy, right? Kill to steal, destroy. Kill the marriage. Kill the relationship with the kids. I mean, it, it's devastating. We had a, a young one here uh, just in the last couple of days who just just coming off. Well, she's clean, but you know she's had a couple of years struggle with drugs, and uh, because of, I mean, it was because mom and dad were fighting all the time, right? I mean, she was the typical low joy little girl in a house that had everything physically financially but no joy in the house hmm. and she always felt rejected never could make it dad was never there mom was angry all the time right so it's like oh so she to cover her pain and her hurt and her rejection what she felt as rejection and abandonment because they weren't there uh, she started using drugs when she was 15 but that's the fallout right yeah. You'll look for joy someplace to cover the pain, so you self-medicate somewhere. That's to me. That's the that's the key reason for the uh, the drugs. If if kids had that proper bonding with their parents and joy built in them, they wouldn't all be falling into the drug trap. 
So, children that have the opportunity to have parents that are building joy into them when they're zero to three months, three to six months, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth, you're suggesting they're going to just be much more well-adjusted. Much more. Yeah. Yeah. And they have, uh, you know, the brain, when we're talking about the brain, it has, you know, critical times of development too. Uh, you know, the so much is set between two and nine months. Mm-hmm. That's you know when the core of the brain is is set, and your joyful identity of the child actually is between six and twelve months. So by the time they're a year old, that's pretty well set. And by five and six months, even they they have a theory of who they are. So those those things are established in a little one, you know. That's that when you see parents that don't know how to raise kids, right, or or ignoring them, or um, you know, whatever, they don't understand the the critical the critical portion of their brain development is before they're three years old. So it's so important that they see modeled love and people caring for us, uh, each other that, you know, they're truly the apple of mom and dad's eyes, right? Mm-hmm. They get the proper kind of attention. And, and if they fall into fear, just like you pick up a kid, right? And pick him up and, and, uh, just encourage him. Uh, if he's fearful or fallen and he's, he's crying, uh, if that little child doesn't have that, um, it's, it's devastating to him in the long run. And it sets him up for all sorts of emotional issues later on in life. That, that, that for those first few years are critical in their development for their brain and for their joy level and everything else that goes on about them. Their ability to, to make good decisions even come really early in life. So let me ask you this. How has this mm-hmm. understanding impacted your ministry style? How has what? Understanding the role of joy, even in development, impacted your ministry style. Totally. Totally. And people will say to us all the time, oh, God, you guys are so happy, right? Or come into the house and, oh, you're all so joyful. What's going on here, right? But that's, um, you know, that's what the Lord's, he's shown us how important this stuff is. And, of course, once you're free, you become more joyful if you're focusing on the Lord and if you're with people that are glad to be with you. So we build joy is actually built by looking at each other in the eye and transmitting. It goes back. I don't know how many times a second, really fast. So just that eye to eye contact with people that are full of joy, you can transfer, you can download joy to another person. That's part of this, the exercise that you do if you're trying to retrain your brain. So we're focused on ministering to people out of a place of joy when you're talking about that. Same thing in our healing rooms. People will say that all the time. Oh, my goodness, where are all these happy people come from? Because that's, that's who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be alternating to me joy and peace. And that's what a baby does. You know, you, you see a mom stimulating a baby, for instance, laugh, 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 tickle, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden you'll see a baby turn away. And quiet, 
And so he's he's kind of reached his capacity level as far as joy is concerned, and he'll turn away and rest. And that, I believe, is the frequency of heaven. It's mm-hmm. joy and peace. Shalom. And the enemy doesn't have anywhere to get you when you're walking in joy and peace. That's what we try to, to show people and to teach people, right? That those two are really key to your being able to uh, to to hold on to deliverance and to hold on to your freedom, is to have those two ingredients. That makes sense. So you mentioned earlier in this program the idea of walking in joy. Mm-hmm. And you're using that in the ministry process in demonstration mm-hmm. and you're you're intentionally pulling people in that direction absolutely brilliance yeah yeah because um, a lot of them have never have been out of a joy mode for i don't know five ten twenty years maybe they've never really experienced joy their whole life so then the negative emotions are all running, right? And uh, they see they see everything, you know, it's that glass that's always half empty. There's never any hope, right? Hope, hopeless despair comes in, and then, boy, before you know it, somebody's in a place of self-pity or shame or condemnation, whatever it is, and they don't know how to come out of that place until they get rid of, I mean, I believe it's a spiritual issue, getting rid of those demonic entities, right? And then being, it's a truth encounter, right? Believing the truth of who God says you are. But the goal is for them to be walking in joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real joy. Not not fake joy. Not just the smile. You know, not the, not the facade that people wear, right? Not the mask that you wear to church. <laughs> but real joy. Uh, you know, when you think about Jesus on the cross, who he was who he he was right so he was able to say forgive them yeah for they don't know what they do right he he was who he was up to the very last minute it's... and the word says that he went to the cross for the joy set before him so joy is so integral and so so important in our walk and it draws people mm. and joy and peace are their uh you know, they go viral when you're with somebody that's really joyful and peaceful. When you see that combination, man, you want to be with that person, right? You you, re- you recognize that they've got something that you don't have. So if the body of Christ was walking in that place, you would have people coming in. Well, they'd be beating down the doors to get in there where there's joy and peace and, and people that are uh, uh, encouraging people that really talk life and destiny over people speak life well you know joy joy seems to attract different kinds of responses under different circumstances and i agree you know in in a majority of cases especially if the joy is the environment that's been set like yeah people want that but there's something about a religious spirit barb Oh yeah. There's something about the religious spirit. It hates joy. It, right. It's like a joy usurper. A, 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 yeah. Oh. A, a, I mean, it's like the toilet bowl that flushes joy down the drain. <laughs> 
the religious spirit and because i've i've been in this thing right it's like a vortex of negativity it comes from right. every angle every time mm -hmm. you turn around in a religious environment run by the spirit mm -hmm. it's attacked yeah well really i mean isn't that religious spirit uh the all the trappings of of rela re religion without relationship <laughs> so brilliant huh? that is so brilliant yes because religion is all of the legal legalities yeah. of uh, the faith without the relationship with Jesus right. the vital part that is just too much barb yeah so well that's good. what i and that's why we tried to teach people we teach them all the time we teach them uh and this came from jim wilder emmanuel journaling you know but listening to the voice of god and it's a just a real simple uh the questions about uh, uh that you ask ask god for his advice and his his perspective on things i mean when i heard people pray i never heard anybody talk about listening they just <laughs> talked right <laughs> I mean, even the that acts way of of uh, of pray, praying, there was never any talking about listening to what God had to say about what you were asking, you know, or asking Him questions and expecting an answer. I never heard that anywhere. Hmm. So, in a manual journaling, what, what we're teaching people, and uh, it makes a, a huge difference in their life, is to listen, to ask Him specific questions. And um, it's, uh, the, it, I just did it for, for about 50 people in a class this weekend. Everybody except one person in the, in the class heard. They were writing down what they were hearing from the Lord, even those that didn't think they could hear. But he has a way of meeting us in those places exactly where we need to be. And he answers those questions. And by the time you're done with that, you've got, something that is really relational you know he cares about you because he he's giving you answers to questions that you wonder about and he says that there's something he can do about it and it's a real joy and faith builder so that relational there's the relational part of it the relational part with god first and then with other people that build it and sustain it So we love joy. I, I guess that's, I've got joy all over the place, right? I, and, and, it, the word says that if, if uh, my, my, what I tell people is if you lose it, mm -hmm. you know, you lose your strength. Because that's what the word says. It says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So if we're not walking in joy, we're missing uh, the vitality and the ability to, uh, to walk the full life that he meant for us, the fullness of the of the life that he had for us. Okay. What if you are a recovering religious addict? <laughs> well, what I, I how do you recover? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, right? We got lots of those. <laughs> oh golly! One of the you've been writing prayers. One of the prayers that I wrote a couple. A couple of years ago was a pray, prayer against cessation about re repentance for cessationism. <laughs> right? 
because we've got so many people that that's what they've been brought up their whole life, right? So I have them repent for that, for bad doctrine. <laughs> and it, I do it in classes, too, and it's like, wow, that was really empowering to read those scriptures that they really believe that what he says about them is true, mm. right? And that what he says about the gifts are really true. Mm, mm, mm. That's one of the one of the things to do when you get them is just to have them repent to the Lord about about uh, practicing religion without asking Him into the picture. My gosh, you heard it from Barb. If you are and a what? religious addict and you are listening to this program, and you know, because every time you see a joyful Christian, you. You, yes, you are miserable and angry at them. How dare they? It's time to repent and renew your mind yeah. to the truth that Jesus wants fellowship with you too. And Absolutely. begin sowing good seeds into the relational fields around your life. Reap a harvest. You know, Barb, um, you talked at the beginning and said joy is hooked to healing. Uh huh. Talk to me a little totally. bit more about that. Well, I mean, there's a whole lot of scriptures when you start unpacking them that that talk about joy and healing and deliverance and healing. Um, and just once you once your eyes get attuned to joy in the scriptures, somebody's going to see joy everywhere. It's all through the Psalms, right? Shout for joy. I mean, who? The idea of shouting at a church is, is you know, pretty uh, not common. We've been doing a lot of shouting these days here, and just building joy in meetings, even you know, with with worship. Um, then going into worship, no question about that as well. But there's a joy part that's not in even many services, right? So we want to do that all the time, and that that doesn't answer the question you asked me. What was the question again? Joy is hooked to healing. Yes. That's yes. Well, they, they know that, right? Mm. I mean, even in, they do have done scientific studies that prayer now is hooked to healing, right? Mm -hmm. Peace is hooked to healing, mm. and joy is hooked to healing. Physically, they know that. They've done studies that show that. But in Scripture, it's all, I mean, it's all together. It's joy, 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 joy. And he talks about uh, being people of joy, right? People of faith and people of joy. All through the Psalms, he talks about joy. Mm. Shout out, you know, worship me with joy. It's not, it's not somber at all. It's really a passionate, joyful worship that's supposed to be there. So that that, that religious spirit, right, will take all of that away. I mean, they'll frown at at anything that looks happy in church, right? <laughs> I mean, that's why the idea of crazy holy laughter is so such an anathema, I think, to the to the religious spirit, because you certainly can't have people laughing in church. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, no. Um, the only emotion considered is is weeping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he, yeah. It, there's a, there's another verse in Proverbs that me I'm going to pull out pull it out because it's a a verse that uh, that you know I, I remember uh, um, being in a conversation with someone once 
upon a time and they were so upset. And so since I'm one of those types, I tend to be a fairly good listener. Um, you know, uh-huh. I, I just listen to oh, people. Oh, you have to be doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, I went through a few prerequisites. <laughs> yeah. This conversation was one of them. So I, uh-huh. I, I'm sitting there listening to this person explain the world to me. Dan Duvall, let me tell you something. Dan Duvall. I heard this person say that they saw Jesus laughing. Can you believe the blasphemy of that statement? Laughing? Where did Jesus ever laugh? There's nothing to laugh about when it comes to what's going on in the world and what's going on in their life. And they they said they saw, this is why I don't believe these people that say they're seers. What what is a seer? That's so new age. They see, because Jesus, where does, and, and I'm just listening to the guy explain the world to me. This is how it works. Right. If someone sees Jesus laughing, then there's a lying spirit at work or they're in total new age deception. Mm. Uh, Barb, how mm. would you respond to this oh, individual? I, <laughs> I don't know. I would just uh, I don't know what you're saying about somebody like that. Right. You say you need to go to Dan Duvall and get delivered. man. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Get delivered from that religious spirit, right? But that's a, that's that's there's so much wrapped up in that spirit, right? It's judgment and uh, it's condemnation, and it's and it certainly does not align itself with the. If anybody reads the scripture honestly and start looking for joy scriptures, they will find them all over. I was just looking at Proverbs twenty eight. It says, "The triumphant joy." of God's lovers releases great glory. Mm. And then a few verses down, it says, overjoyed is the one who with tender heart trembles before God, but the stubborn unyielding heart will experience even um, greater evil. But again, overjoyed is the one, right? The triumphant joy of God lovers releases great glory that's huge a joyful heart's another one brings healing to both body and soul but the one whose heart is crushed struggles with sickness and depression that's scripture right so it's a joyful cheerful heart that he says we better be after that joyful cheerful heart my gosh yeah yeah and it's so appealing to the world, right? The, I mean, the world so, is so looking for joy and peace right now with all the confusion. There's another verse in, in Proverbs 9. Let's see. I think it's 9. Yeah. So listen, my sons and daughters, to everything I tell you, for nothing will bring you more joy than following my ways. It's joy, just joy all over the place. And joy, particularly in the Psalms, it's there, but it's all through the New Testament, too. It was, they were joyful people that he was dealing with or wanted them to be joyful people. So um, I, I know it's a, I know it's the key to bringing people. Uh, I love this Philippians verse, be cheerful with joyous celebration in every season of life. Let joy overflow for you are uni- un- united with the anointed one. Let gentleness 
gentleness be seen in every relationship for our Lord is ever near. So there's that gentleness, right, with each other. Be cheerful with joy, joyful celebration. Wow. Up above that, it says, my dear and precious friends whom I deeply love, you have truly become my glorious joy and crown of reward. Once you start looking for joyful scriptures, they're everywhere. But that's that's a missing piece in the church, joy and peace, right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we're working for is to bring people not just, I mean, getting them free is beautiful, but getting them to walk in, in freedom with joy and peace is is the key, I believe, to it. I'm I'm so glad we did this program, Barb, because you know I I mean, like I think many leaders, you know, I don't spend a lot of time highlighting on this podcast the importance of joy. As a matter of fact, this is the first joy podcast I've ever done, just to to focus on this one subject. Now, granted, I haven't done a single podcast on the subject of peace either. Um, that would be good. So maybe, maybe that's what we need to do the next time. <laughs> yeah, shalom, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, yeah, you know, but but it 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 just needs to be highlighted, and and Absolutely. there's you know you brought so many really solid nuggets to the table in this conversation. I want to ask: um, Is there anything on on the subject of joy that you wanted to highlight that I haven't specifically asked you yet? Um, well, only that, only, I guess the, the thing that's most in my mind is that there's, you can, the Lord has made us so that you can retrain your brain and rewire it actually, and get it out of the old ruts and patterns that we're in by doing, uh, what I know are some really simple exercises to build joy, Jim, Jim Wilder and guy by the name of Chris Corsi have, have done a lot of uh, work on that level, and they actually teach people those exercises that are life-changing. And uh, down at, uh, at Max Lucado's church in, in San Antonio, um, there's a, one of the pastors down there has written a little book that's called Building Better Community, and what, they've, what he's done is just basically written 12 exercises that they're going to use in their small groups really simple hmm. like telling people that you're glad to be with them or just smiling and those are the first ones right and telling joy stories to each other and looking at people in the eye because there are a lot of people that can't you, you know that they can't do that and part of that i believe is that fear that comes in with them of that eye contact but building being able to unpack that eye contact with with each other is the way you can download joy to somebody else. It's physical and it's measurable. So to know that the Lord given us some keys to do that for people who find themselves in that low joy place and know that your brain is still changing, particularly that right front area where your joy bucket is. And you can, even though you've been lacking in that area, you can do things to rebuild joy so that you become we walk in the fullness of the joy that he has for you. So you're never in a place of hopelessness, right? But there's always the hope of, of having more and more of it, which is contagious. 
right? And it, it spreads through a family, so it's like, oh, wow, you're one of our tribe. You're joyful, right? <laughs> That's really beautiful. And part of that, I think, coming comes from just hearing the voice of the Lord and knowing that he's there and he cares about what you're doing. That's the most important relationship. Man. Folks. So we're passionate about joy. When you come to Austin, we're, we'll just do whatever we can to build your joy, Dan. I Well, I, I'll receive it. I will okay. receive it. You know, um, I mean, because I, I've certainly had enough people try to take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's nice to get, be on the receiving end from time to time. It's like, oh. <laughs> Here we go. These are my people. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and I I've had this happened before, right? <laughs> yeah. And eye contact is, is, is really so good. Um, yeah. I, I have two stories here. One, now I was recently in Toronto, and one of the things the Lord prompted me to do while I was there was a little, it, it was just a small, simple activation, but it was, you know, a heavy presence on me, but, you know, leading up to when I did this. And, and what I did was I just had everybody get in a line. And walked to the front. And one by one, I looked everyone in the eye and just told them, mm-hmm. I love you. You know? And the, the responses to that were, were interesting. I mean, some people wept deeply. It was like a, a uh, moment yeah, of healing. Bet. And yeah, being able to just look someone in the eye and say something positive. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see you. Um, I love you. I, I, I'm so glad you're here. You, you know, I mean, for for some of us, that's life. I mean, that's like the we haven't had life like that in a long time. And that's another right. point, we we did these um, survivor support groups for those that are connected with our ministry. Now, for those of you that listen to this, these are not public, so don't look for them on our website. You won't find it there. But you know, we we do have these private groups, and um, we were doing them a certain way where we would have it would like like a a support group where everybody gives an update right so we started we would we would start the meetings off with an update like what's been going on in your life how you doing well you know what that turned Mm into wine and complain central as a matter of fact Uh it was so bad that people would intentionally be an hour late to the to the meeting so they didn't have to hear anyone else whine and complain but 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 they would time it so that they could get in to get there in you know, they, so they could complain. They just didn't want to have to listen to everybody else complain. And we figured this out after a while. I was like, all right, half of you aren't even showing up until this, like, <laughs> every five minutes starting at 45 minutes in. <laughs> you know? Oh, how funny. And so. That is hilarious. Because <laughs> it's. That is hilarious. It is, isn't so, it, though? So that's not exactly the kind of testimony that God is after, right? So we changed everything. It was like wipe, wipe the slate. <laughs> yeah. We're like, this is not working. Now we have a new system, okay? And, and we start with conversation. We always have conversation topics in our groups, and we, we talk about things that are relevant, and real, and raw, and helpful. And um, mm-hmm. then we talk about testimonies of good things. Uh-huh. So no one's actually allowed to just sit there and give the sob story because everyone has one. And then we right. do prayer requests at the end. But instead of giving the sob story about why everything is breaking down, you just reword it as a prayer request that goes in the chat box where, you know, you oh. don't have to. It works so much better. And there's more of an environment of joy and everyone finds it more positive. 
It's amazing. That's awesome. So joy. That's awesome because those one of those things that telling stories that bring people back to joy is really key, right? Even even talking about circumstances that you were in that brought you joy, right? And just sharing pictures. That's some of the easy things that you can do with people uh, to remind them of who they really were meant to be, right? Is there a connection? When they had those five-bar moments with the Lord. Yeah. When they were full of joy and peace and secure, that's that's really key to getting people healed, is to remember those things and start with them, right? Is there a connection between joy and humor? Oh, I think so. Aha. Uh-huh. Don't you? Well, it would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I yes, I because I think there's a lightness that comes to joy that you can see the you're just geared towards seeing the positive and the fun part of things. You know, it's like it's like a like taking a little four-year-old part and giving that little four-year-old part the just the permission to to be a child, right? If yes. it's a wounded child, and yes. building joy and doing fun things and and saying things that are just uh, just really never maybe allowed to say before, all those things you know play into to humor. I think so. It's not the sarcastic kind of humor and deadly humor, right? The kinds that's devastating, yeah. but it's humor that sees the beauty in things that's attached to the goodness of God and the goodness of people, not the kind that is going to take advantage of their weaknesses, but build their strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's, you know, as I think about it, I think that humor is actually tied to joy, which is why people find themselves attracted to funny people because mm-hmm. it makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. I also think, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, that hospitality is tied to joy. Totally. Totally. And and people... I, I can't agree with you more. People that have a gift of hospitality can be real joy builders mm-hmm. in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, joy is infectious mm-hmm. pieces, too. And people are looking for both, but joy is infectious. You can... You mean you can? We walked into a house not very long ago, actually, and um, <laughs> it was like everybody had lost their people skills. Oh no! You know they were. Really, we, we, I was with someone, and we looked at each other, and we said, "Are they really glad we're here, or do they really would they really rather have this evening all by themselves and not have any people in the house with them?" Have you ever walked in a place and felt that way? Oh, no, not me. You really don't feel welcome at all. (laughs) And I thought, oh, and these these were, these were, the the people that we were visiting were in their early 30s. And I thought, Hmm. does that sort of come with all the screens that they don't have the grace to welcome you and make you feel welcome and at home? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, it really made me wonder. I hadn't felt that way in a long time, but I hadn't. And, and the, of course, the television was on all the time we were there, mm. uh, which to me, if you're, I mean, I would, I would, I don't have television. I hadn't had it for years, but to me, that's a real distractor from building relationships, right? Because everybody's 
focused on the screen. You're not looking at anybody in the eyes. True. You're talking, yeah, you're talking about something that isn't reality for most of the time if you're looking at the screen. Yeah. So those real relationships then are built on uh, caring for people and being able to to focus on how they feel, right? Understanding that, uh, and your your desire always is to bring people. Even if you're doing memory work with them, you really always want to bring them back to that piece of place of peace and joy. That's that's the healing piece, right? Yes. In memories. Yes. To bring them out, but then to bring them out into the light where they they really really feel joy again, feel a lightness, something changes when they uh, see the lie in a memory or see that Jesus was with them in there and suddenly they're secure. That brings joy and peace into their situation. It's so good. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the joy of the work. You know, we we say it all the time around here. There's the Lord said real clearly. There's joy in the journey, right? Hmm. To stay awake and stay alert and and uh, watch for the just walk through this and joy because as situations get tougher right around us, which we see the dark getting is dark is going to get darker, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the word says. But it, to me, arise and shine means, well, you better have joy in that arise and shining. That's what it looks like to me. Come the on. deep darkness may cover the earth, but the glory of the Lord, there's, I don't see glory on gloom or depression or, or hopeless despair. Glory is with joy and peace. Mm-hmm. The ability to attract others to Christ. Those are, those are game changers for people. Barb, uh, this has been really, really good. Uh, folks, um, Barb and her team work with folks that need physical healing, inner healing, deliverance. Uh, she doesn't work alone. There's a team of people around her and connected to her ministry. Uh, you can reach out through their website at luke-418.com. But they're booked. Uh, I mean, kind of like me. (laughs) Kind of hard to get an appointment. Um, But that's because they're doing something right. And so, you know, Barb, I I just want to open the door for you to let our listening audience know anything that you want them to about your Mm -hmm. ministry, um, anything that you want them to maybe pay attention to when they go to your website and so forth. Well, we've got, uh, we've got a batch of testimonies on there. We just, we've always wanted to do that. We're in a position now where we've built a little bit. We also had a man come through deliverance, uh, about a oh, year ago. And, uh, it turned out that he was a filmmaker and he just got radically free. It's just wonderful. Now he's sitting at the table helping other people, uh, get free himself but um, he came back about a month after his deliverance and, and told us that the Lord told him to do a documentary on Luke 418 so he put a film together all we had to do was show up with some testimonies and he did everything else paid for everything it was amazing right only the Lord could do that so they might be interested in seeing that as well as the testimonies uh, of the ministry 
and uh, then for me it's uh, it's just people are aware that there's always hope right Mm -hmm. that nothing is too hard for the Lord all the diagnoses go all the mental diagnoses we've had people that have gone home from nursing homes that were so um, angry and radical and uh, they got delivered right and so we look at everything as the word says right anything is possible everything is possible when Jesus walks in the room things change and uh, so so we look um, whether it's an addiction or whether it's depression whatever it is and uh, so much of it is tied as as you know uh, and I'm sure the people listening know so much of it is tied to breaking off generational curses as well and getting those iniquities out of the way, which we try to do the first time we see people, mm-hmm. so that we can uh, we can unpack uh, who they were really meant to be without any issues. One thing about the joy, which is interesting, is I have a friend doing his doctorate in theology, and so he's because of the stuff that we've been talking about and this conversation that I've had with him, he's doing it on joy. Oh, and he said that. He could really only find two books in all the Christian stuff that were really written about joy. So it's even—I mean, it's even missing in literature. Practically no research about it in the Christian field at all. No conversation about it. <laughs> so he's going to do a study in the city and track people's joy records. Start them at one point, have them do certain things in a in a six-month, nine-month period and see if joy levels change. And that's, I think, is going to be great fun to watch that happen, that, watch that develop. That is too funny. I mean, even when I was in Bible school, they had they, they had courses on covenant, courses on gifts of the Spirit, uh, courses on healing. But mm-hmm. but there's no course on joy. None. And I was at a Spirit-filled <laughs> Bible school. There wasn't one on peace either. Yeah, right, right. But, but, but I mean, I was at a, a Spirit-filled Bible school. And, and I, I mean, I don't discredit them for anything there was joy in the things that we did there it just wasn't a class on it but yeah i mean at some of these seminaries oh my gosh barb oh my gosh right you know joyless absolutely <laughs> i went oh, yeah. you know i'm just gonna share this and then you know uh we'll probably close out the program but i remember when i was getting ready to look at colleges in high school I was looking at a few, and I, I, of course, I ended up going to Ohio State. But one of the schools that I visited was a um, Christian college that I'll, I'll, I'll leave the name of out of this recording. But I, I went to this Christian college and visited the campus for 24 hours. And, you know, you spend a night in one of the dorms and you meet some of the people on campus and, you know, you go around. And it's, it's, it's an experience where you, you get acquainted, you know. So mm-hmm. I, I did this. And when my mom picked me up 24 hours later, she was like, what happened to you? You're so like down and depressed. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. But now I do know. I spent 24 yeah. hours in the presence of a heavy duty religious spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And I was floundering, yeah. Barb. I was floundering. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. 
Yeah, that, that that's it's detonating, <laughs> right? Talk about a, something that'll steal your joy, right? Put you into it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that could that could lead you to hopeless despair real fast. Oh, come on now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you did go there. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. Folks, let me tell you something. Yeah. Uh, Barb Buckland is a very, very special lady. And um, if you want to get the a hold of their DVD, it's actually called Road to Freedom. And yes. that's on their website under the, there's a little tab at luke-418.com. It says Road to Freedom. That's where you can get the information on how to order the DVD. Um, other than that, I just want to say thank you, Barb. Thank you for oh. taking the time to hang out with me for a little while. Well, it was great fun. It, it filled my joy bucket. Amen. Yeah. Mine too. And some of the people that are listening, it added a little joy and hope along the way. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Folks, you've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. Until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering the Truth with Dan Duvall. If you would like to connect with us at Bride Ministries or to support what we are doing financially, visit us at www.bridemovement.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.